This is the John Oakley Show podcast. We're still basically on par with the rest of the country. And relative to other countries, developed economies, we're in pretty good shape there. So it's not a, a terrible story. It's just that we're seeing a trend, and that trend is, is going effectively the wrong way. That was earlier. Uh, that's Peter Weltman, uh, who is the uh, Ontario Financial Accountability Officer, and he's just come out with a report that says, uh, well, the trend to which he was alluding has to do with how uh, median income for Ontario families and unattached individuals uh, was the slowest in Canada by a wide margin when it comes to growth. It's static for the most part, uh, but lower-income families experience slower-income growth than higher-income families, and working-age singles and single-parent families actually experienced outright declines in their after-tax income after adjusting for inflation. So it's distressing stuff uh, by his admission and those who've been following the story, and let's find out uh, exactly why that might be. Devil in the details, what's going on? Mitzi Hunter has joined us on the line, finance critic for the Ontario Liberal Party and the MPP for Scarborough Guildwood. Ms. Hunter, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Thank you for coming on. Hi, John. It's actually great to be on with you this evening. Well, now help me out here, because when I asked the financial accountability officer of, uh, you know, how we got here, and uh, he said basically this is just a snapshot. His is not uh, really the purview to go digging into the details and trying to uh, come up with an interpretation. So you got to help me with that. Why do you think we find ourselves in this predicament, especially with the low-income earners? Well, John, you know, this is a a persistent issue, and uh, the FAO's report today really underscores the need to invest in those areas that help low-income families, single-parent families, and that's coming from things like education. You know, recently the Premier has talked about maybe we're going to cancel full-day kindergarten. Well, if you do that, you're going to make it harder for all families, but in particular for those on lower income and who have less options. I think that's one of the the areas that the report points out is that those in higher income, they have choice. They can um, choose different education options, um, different uh, enrichment programs, but those on lower income are basically stuck and their incomes are reflecting that. Well, and yet this is the irony because it was in 2012, Don Drummond, who was commissioned to uh, put a for, uh, forth a report for Dalton McGuinney at the time, uh, the Liberal government, he came out and advised against this all-day kindergarten that you're saying now the government is threatening to take away. He said it would save $1.5 billion because we were on the ropes, as we know economically. I mean, there have to be some practical considerations in the mix as well, don't there? the individual families, you know, and and I'm getting letters in my constituency office in Scarborough from even grandparents that are saying, you know, this is going to create hardship for families because they rely on that to allow maybe moms to go back to work. So you're going to pull people out of the labor market. That can't be good for our economy. And, uh, you know, full day kindergarten is something that people value. It's working. And uh, the, the students are actually getting a better education when they start earlier and they all start at the same time. All right. Well, you know, uh, I will say that the financial accountability officer did point out that uh, the distribution of income before taxes and government transfers has become more unequal in Ontario. But importantly, the tax and transfer systems played a key role in supporting low-income families and stabilizing the inequality of after-tax income. So uh, are you saying government has, because he's pointing out uh, certainly a role to play, you're saying they have increasingly more of a role to play? Increasingly a role to play, and i got to say that the reporter also points out that in 1995, when... Mike Harris uh, was in government, there was a massive hit to low-income people 
on those government transfers by cutting the social assistance payments. And, you know, we have not yet corrected from that. Um, our former Liberal government has implemented many policies, such as raising the minimum wage 10 times. Uh, we wanted to bring that to $15 an hour. We thought that would be uh, a way to, to really spread the growth and the wealth in Ontario to more hardworking people who are on minimum wage. Uh, but unfortunately, Doug Ford chose to not uh, bring that from 14 to 15 dollars an hour on January 1st, 2019, and you know that's that's helping the uh, you know low wage people, and that's why we were uh, looking to bring up the minimum wage to really spread that wealth to everyone. All right, and I guess you might want to include the basic income pilot as well that they're going to next at the end of month. Well, but here's my question though, because you talk about you know increasing the growth and the wealth of the province, and uh, everybody should be, I guess, uh, enjoying the spoils. But a job, a job's the best social program out there. Uh, what about protecting and creating jobs? Uh, your party was in power for 15 years. A lot of manufacturing left the province. Uh, this is an uncompetitive environment. What happened? Yes, and, and the report does speak to that. Uh, we see a decline in manufacturing jobs. You know, a lot of jobs uh, in manufacturing have, have frankly been offshored to, to lower um, labor cost areas uh, in the world, you know, such as Mexico or China. But what it also points out is that Ontario jobs in sciences, professional services, technology has grown. And those are the types of jobs that we need to invest in, as well as the advanced manufacturing jobs. You know, I was in Sarnia just last week. And, and did you know that Sarnia, Ontario is the premier location in Canada for large-scale fabrication and manufacturing. That was something that was, you know, I was just discovering. We need to invest in places like that that have a unique competitive advantage for Ontario's economy. Well, nobody would dispute that, but this is my point. Uh, If we have policies that uh, increase the pie, then everybody shares in the spoils. It's kind of that Malthusian interpretation of things here. So what I'm saying is your government was in place for 15 years. we could have done better uh, in increasing the size of the pie. Now all we've done is increase the debt. We've got a service, a $330 billion debt. Imagine if a billion dollars is in servicing the debt on a monthly basis, what we could afford, and really all boats would rise with the tide, wouldn't they? Well, sure, John. We, you know, we have to make sure that we, we balance and, and we don't uh, create deficits in debt uh, in our province. And, uh, and that's something that, that, that I'm aware of. But one of the areas that we invested in quite significantly under the Liberal government was in education, including at the post-secondary level, increasing access to post-secondary for uh, those who really need it. And that's what the OSAP program is designed to do. We saw that there was a boost in access, but this government wants to take that away. They want to actually transfer more loans on the backs of students. That's not right. Well, no, I understand, but really uh, the rationale behind that is they've got to make up for uh, the amount of debt that we're having to service. I get back to that. It sounds like, you know, I'm banging on the same note, but they said they inherited a $15 billion deficit. Okay, some may quibble and say it's 12, but it's still, it's an unconscionable amount. Doesn't that shackle us from uh, not being able to do the things we want to do and afford uh, certain social programs especially for the low-income earner, and maybe find them jobs and positions and such? Well, you know, the Ford government wants to tell Ontarians that there's this enormous deficit so that they can more easily cut services. You know, well, are they wrong, though? Ms. Hunter, are they wrong about that? Are they wrong about the size of the deficit and the debt? 
Well, I believe that they are, and the FAO even disputes that in his report, that the deficit is actually lower than what the Ford government is telling everyone. Well, that's what I said. What if it's $12 billion? That's still a large amount that we have to handle, and uh, it's hard to wrestle with because uh, we literally have one hand tied behind our backs and we can't afford all these other things. What, are, what do they do to economize? But John, you know, we have to think about the things that we, we can afford as Ontarians. You know, can we afford good quality health that's you know, the same across the board. You need to have your health services. They're there to, to available to you. Good quality education. It's not a race to the bottom. We have to make good investments, and we, of, of course, have to make sure that we keep, keep our books in order and, uh, and, and make sure that we spend money wisely, but we have to spend it well. Well, uh, yeah, keeping our books in order again, I get back to that. I mean, this is where the quality of health care seemingly has been compromised by the amounts of money that are going out just to service debt. I think it's the third or fourth largest item in the budget. But look, uh, what we're a- actually talking about here is that the lower income folk in the province are not moving ahead. And uh, because this quintile that they're in, uh, it seems like it's a static situation. They're not going to get ahead. Uh I just wonder if there's a way out, and you're saying it's government money. If we can pour more resources into it, maybe that'll give them the leg up. I'm saying give them the opportunity, right? They can lift themselves up by having access to good quality education at the the younger years by protecting things like full-day kindergarten all the way through to post-secondary education. Investments in, in education is the best investment we can make. All right, uh, we'll leave on that note. We uh, bookended it. We started the program with the Financial Accountability Officer, and uh, I wanted to get your thoughts as well from uh, the opposition benches. Really nice to have you weigh in this afternoon. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. You got a Mitzi Hunter again, finance critic for the Ontario Liberal Party and the MPP for Scarborough-Guildwood. And that's the conundrum we find ourselves in, even with this whole story that broke earlier today where the NDP say they got a leaked document that Doug Ford plans uh, in some measure or other to privatize health care. I don't know that it said that, but that was the way it was interpreted by the NDP. Call it spin, if you will. But the idea that they're going to create a super agency to oversee all things and maybe uh, eliminate the lens with excessive bureaucracy there, uh, this is where the fat is going to be trimmed and the efficiencies that... Reuben Devlin was uh, hired to look into, the former head of the Humber River Regional Hospital. Uh, I mean, just the unconscionable uh, finding that he had of 1,000 people languishing in hallways waiting to get a room in uh, hospitals, in the emergency departments, 1,000 average on a daily basis. 16 hours was the average wait. Some cases it exceeds that. Other cases, I mean, they might be expedited sooner rather than later. But, you know, we can't continue to sustain this without looking at it seriously and trimming and finding efficiencies and better ways of doing things. And I even posited that this is where we've got to open up the honest conversation about some privatization in the system, which would lead to competition and better outcomes, best practices. Your thoughts on either of those things? Uh, I did speak to the health issue uh, on several occasions earlier today, including with our panel. But do you think, look, uh, Ford is, it's going to be a courageous move because this is like a third rail in politics. Andrea's all over it already, suggesting, well, you know, universality, sacrosanct, can't touch that. But if the model's broken, we can't sustain it. Uh, Something's got to give. Am I wrong? You tell me, uh, you tell me how you feel. Mitzi Hunter believes, you know, pouring more more money into it to help low-income folk and the Ford government's betraying those people. Do you see it in that light? Or do you think that if we had uh, maybe rationalized our deficit and our debt, we could afford to be uh, a little more generous 
with these folks. She called them investments too. So thanks for listening to the John Oakley show podcast. Be sure to rate review and subscribe for free at Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.